0: Authorization required. Captain's log. The impossible has happened. Somewhere
1: along this journey, we'll find a way back.
0: Enter authorization
1: code. We might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. Our mission is to go
0: forward. It's just begun. There's still much to do. still so much to learn.
1: Security authorization accepted. Command codes verified. Transfer complete. You're listening to an hour with the Continuing Committee with your host, Charlie Plain. Can I get you to introduce yourself to the audience?
0: I am Christopher Sonsby. Many of you may have known
1: me as Lore on the message board. Hey Chris, um, you are for a lot of people, a man of mystery. I know that you're you know, you've got a tight group of friends out in Minnesota and everything, but a lot of people on the boards don't really know you all that well, so why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your history with the game and what you're what you what you're at up to today with Star Trek. So Well,
0: I uh, I started playing the game back around I want to say Q continuum. Um buddy of mine got me a third deck, a couple packs and um, I was hooked right away. I was 13 years old, so what is that now? 16 years or so ago? Quite a long time. Um, first time I ever played in a competitive environment, I went to the uh, regional here in Minnesota. Uh, there was a town sea regional if I recall correctly. Um, that was 98. Mike Harrington qualified there, and uh, in fact, he and I played a game after the regional, and I beat him, and we uh, <laughs> ended up kind of becoming friends, he, myself, and Nat uh, joined up, and we all kind of helped each other, and in 99, uh, Mike qualified for Worlds, I qualified for Worlds, and Nat uh, ended up joining along, so kind of humble beginnings, to say the least. So,
1: when 1E when e was wrapping up, and they had decided to second edition, did you transition easy, willingly, or was it? Something you weren't interested in, you know, what, how did, how did you play, how, I'm sorry, how have you been involved in second edition?
0: I actually went to world in 2002, um, the Big Goodbye and I, Dan Bell being the me fourth member at that time, as you may or may not know, the fourth member of the Big Goodbye team is rotating in and out. Sometimes it's the Cina Gunnar Dina, sometimes it's Matt Geiger, other times it's been Dan Bell. um, we all went to world that year, and uh, we were pretty much under the presumption that the game was over. I mean, our, our game, as we had known it, were, was coming to an end, uh, for lack of a better term, and um, we, didn't really, we didn't really see the, the desire to jump into 2nd edition. Uh, in fact, it took uh, Brad and Evan, who took us aside after Day 2 of Worlds, started to demo us the game uh, for 2nd edition, I looked at Dan and I was like, wait a minute, I gotta pay costs to battle want and do that. You know, I'm so used to just blowing everything up. That's what we do. That's what we're thinking about done. Uh, it was odd to say the least. And when I talked to Evan a little bit about it, I found out that they didn't really have very many playtesters for second edition who were battle caliber players. Players who routinely did that. And I kind of thought that was a little bit fuzzy. So I ended up, uh, long story short, I came home from, from world got a call from Kyro Hoyer and said, we need some top-level players to build back and write some articles for Second Edition. And I was um, kind of thrown off by that and I went, I to, went up to my ex-wife my wife at the time and said, you know, if I play this game and can do it for free and it's not, you know, if they're me cards to do some article writing and playtesting, we'll, we'll be alright with you. And she said, sure. You know, as you probably know, you're really got to run everything by the boss. Absolutely. <laughs> So that's what I did, and um turned out they liked the deck that I had posted, uh, and um, Evan or Brad, and I may not remember directly who, one of them said, would you like to become a playtester? So, uh, sure, I said, why not, that'd be great. I talked to the, the boys, and talked to Matt Reed, who had been picked to pick up the game as well, and I uh, said, hey, you guys wanna want to playtest the second set of this? You know, we are already got some free cards coming, and as many don't know this, in my kind of a sidebar, I won the very first second edition tournament ever because the pre-release for our area happened to coincide with the release of the movie Nemesis, and the uh, it was that weekend. And the, the theater here opted to let us do a pre-screening Thursday night, so we ran our pre-release tournament two days before anybody else did. Nice. So, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing, that you know, a cool thing to have to be able to say you did. And uh, as luck would have it, Play testing went well in uh, Energize, where we started. Uh, when we jumped into Call to Arms, um, Matt and myself were fortunate enough to do a fly-in. We flew all the way into the site for 10 quarters, toured the weird building. As people who've been there know, it's a little bit odd. Uh, and played with a group of maybe, I think it was 10 other guys. Down there, testing called arms and, you know, learn, learn how the Dominion were gonna work, learn how the board were gonna work, really hammer out all those things, and, uh, one of my favorite things is I, I like to pretend that the Skeleton Crew is my idea, because I told Brad, I'm like, this is ridiculous, I us do all my missions with four people. Next thing I know, the play test file, we got a card that said you gotta do 10 plus 6. But, uh, yeah, uh, since, since that time, obviously I've been rolling along, I, um I played actively, really heavily, obviously through uh, energized called ARMS currency tested in 2003. Uh, we went to World that year, the, the whole group. That was the year, uh, correct me I'm wrong, was 2003 was Matt
1: Fried's year, wasn't it? Oh, and you're going to make me go to the website and look now, aren't you? Um, yeah. I think 2003 would have been the first second edition yep. World Championship. So yeah, I think that was, yeah, Matt Fried.
0: So. Okay, so, so 2003. Uh, that was, that was a big year for me. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but um, and I don't mind sharing it. Um, my dad passed away tragically about six weeks before World. He died in June, and World was in August. And uh, you know, it was a really emotional day for me to be there. And, and highs and lows. Obviously, you're feeling down about about all all the stress that comes with losing a, a loved one, especially. game on my second turn. He was so flabbergasted. He didn't know what was going on with
1: it. He was back inside and out. Yeah, that, and, that uh, psychological component is overlooked a lot in in our game's history, at least. But I know that if you can play those mind games on people, it can be very effective. So.
0: Oh, for sure. And, and that's a big part of how I play. I mean, I, I don't try to be intimidating, but I have a pretty good memory. So when I'm sitting there looking at my dilemmas and I go, Okay, you've got, dude, you know, I rattle off five, six names of the people I have. Sometimes I can get them all right, and I can stop and i look up. You always have to look out to the side. That's, like, the thing you always do. You look awkwardly off to the sky and name off other people, and then you say, I know you can't get by this, and you give them a dilemma. I mean, that's just defeating if they can't. I mean, obviously, when it blows up in your face, you look like a moron. But those few times at work,
1: Yep. It worked
0: really well. Um, so, where, where are we at? So, okay, so World 2004, I'm kind of told by sisters and mom and everybody, you know, hang it up, have some kids, all those things. Take a step back, I, uh, I finished out playtesting of ref 2.0. Played in my last tournament, which was actually the Fractured Time release tournament. And then I got, you know, that ref 2.0 stuff after the fact. Uh, gave it up, um, was gone for, I think, two years. And, um, Matt Fried and John Rigg and Caleb Grace actually all kind of in their own way got me to come back. Uh Caleb actually ran the first ever charity draft shortly after he won that tournament. I think I'm in the right time frame here. Uh and he he had decided to do a double uh charity draft. The first one was first edition, Voyager only, like Voyager and some packs from that era. Yeah. And then the second edition one after. So I showed up for the first edition one and everyone, you know, out of the blue, everyone was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're coming back. And I said, you know, I love charity work and, and I wanted to say congrats to Caleb and did all that. And then, you know, Matt and John just both started handing me deck and I looked through this, you know, looked through this deck and started rummaging through it and not thinking too much about it. Uh, a couple months go by and, uh you know, deep in the winter still here, like March. I, I met John Rigg, uh, Tom Wahlberg, and Matt Freed down at a Caribou Coffee and just played a few games, literally, with my world deck remote four unchanged. And they're both just wailing on all of them are wailing on me with issue of trust. I'm like, this is the worst card I've ever made.
2: This card screws
0: my entire deck. You know, I'm still upset about it. And they offered to both just, the three of them just kind of gave me some to go home and, you know, play the deck and see what think. A couple weeks later, I showed up at a tournament they were running, literally, with my card for card two thousand four deck when we're what, four sets later and won. <laughs> I mean it was unsanctioned, it was the end of the decipher era days, so kind of you know, when, when things didn't matter as much, but they're all like, you've still got it, you should come back. And I I, I my comeback is definitely owed a great deal to uh freed and to John
1: Well that's that's great. It's good to have you back and and an and increasingly more active member of the community. Um you know, let's not mince words. There was tension between you and and your player groups and the Continuing Committee when this all was started about about three years ago now. Just about. Yep. What what was the source of that tension, and you know what ultimately led it to? I I, I mean, don't let me speak for you, but I, I'm pretty sure that your you and your player groups are. On good terms with what we're doing now. So, uh, what what led to that tension being dissipated?
0: So, well, um, obviously, uh, I I've, I'm a pretty proud guy, and uh, on top of that, I, I'm very passionate about the game. I'm, I'm very hard in my sleeve, and I know a lot of people have have noticed that through my posts on on the board. And I'm trying to get better at it. Uh, you know, don't just write it and then post, you know, read it and stop and maybe even wait 10, 10, 15 minutes and make sure that's really what you want to say. Cause I, I always speak before I think. And right out of the gate, uh, I don't know if you know this, we have our own little separate Minnesota player board. And, you know, I, I immediately jumped in. I was like, what is going on? They're, they're going to continue the, the second edition game. And it, from what I understood and this may have been some misinformation. So take it for what it is. Uh, it sounded to me a lot like, uh, there wasn't a lot of Minnesota representation. I'm like, well, what, what's the deal here? We've got a lot of players, we have a lot of world champions who are up here. Um, why are our guys not as involved? It sounded like Caleb was involved, but he didn't seem, I don't know if he wasn't working with you guys or there was some tension there. But, uh, long story short, it was, it was kind of a, kind of a questioning of what happened here. Why, why are we moving forward with the game and who elected who? involved and how do they get picked and all these questions that I had um, and obviously we've worked through that since it sounds like a lot of it was miscommunication and on top of that we also got some guys involved with the continuing committee and now I don't I don't think there's any problem as you noticed, I well, I kind of, well to go ahead no yeah
1: what happened and just you know just for and you and I have had this conversation a few times but it's good to put it on a record and, and to this day I don't think that I've ever, I don't believe that we've ever met in person, and I hope that we can soon. But,
0: uh. Nationals in Chicago.
1: I'm gonna try. (laughs) I'm gonna try. Um. What, what, what had happened is, is it wasn't, there was no intention to slight any particular player group. It was more of a, the people who were volunteering for Star Trek for really the last two, probably even more three years of, Decipher's era with the game Brad was Brad or Gerard were designing it one or the other and uh, Mike Keller was the one of the head judges and Matt Kirk Chris Lavin I'm going to mess up his first name Breeden, Josh Breeden, I think it's Josh I think it's Josh, I know what you're talking about and myself were sort of what had happened is Gerard had kind of taken over the game and and we were, we, we, he recruited us to, like, help him out because he was overwhelmed trying to do Star Trek and Lord of the Rings and all this other stuff. And yeah. uh, when he left and Brad came back, you know, he leaned on us to, to do the same thing. So, essentially, there was no – Brad was the only staff member doing any work. And everything else was being done by volunteers. And I was doing a lot of it, uh, organized play stuff. And so was Matt and Josh and uh, Keller. But what – and Darren Lacoste was doing the writing team at the time. So what had happened is when we found out everything was going to be canceled, it was really just a a quick email to all the people that were already doing work saying, do you guys want to keep doing this? And it was, you know, Caleb was the the then world champion, so he was brought in, and and we had uh, Matthias Kirali from, uh, Stuvi from Australia, and uh, it was um, Thorsten Wanick from Europe at the time. It was just kind of a really quick and dirty, like, well, we don't, want this to end. Decipher's probably gonna shut down their site. So we need to set something up real quick. And it was not any sort of it's, it's simply the fact is you weren't you were playing, but you weren't I didn't know who you were, and you weren't on the, the national stage at that point. Yeah. And and no not nobody from Minnesota really was, other than Caleb, who had just won. And it, so it, it wasn't let's keep the Minnesota guys out of it or, or let's keep the California guys out of it more than it was Let's get the people who are doing stuff in, and then get stuff up and running, and go from there. So, you know, I definitely into you know, I, to this day, I, I'm very, very interested in everybody's opinions and hearing what every player group says, whether they have four people or forty people. So there was never any. It, I think it really was miscommunication, and you know, I think Caleb was gonna was going through some stuff. Yeah, at the and time, yeah. and. Yeah, I don't really, I'm not going to out his business or anything, but Caleb's going through some stuff, so he may have felt, you know, like we weren't listening to him, or he might not have had the time he wanted to put in, and, and, you know, we were moving quickly. I'm not going to lie. We were moving quickly to get things set up, so I I hope there's no hard feelings on his part. I, I don't think there are, but now that all that's kind of behind us, what are your thoughts on what where the game is and where the game is going and like, what would you change if you could change something or what do you think the biggest obstacles are for us to look at going into 2011?
0: Well, first of all, I don't, I want to say, I don't think there are any hard feelings, at least they're not for me. I, I know you and I have mended fences and I'm, I'm grateful that I've been given the opportunity to come back into some of the capacities that I am working on. I think my article went up short shortness a short while ago about uh, the charity draft and, i think um you know and many hands make light work is what is kind of something i've always been taught and i like that uh, right now i i feel like there's some sound leadership uh in the continuing committee i don't know that i would change you know the top of the order being you and yourself and uh i think neil's the marketing director now i think uh James toskins is a great choice for uh op coordinator that great title for him i'm not sure um So other than a a few changes here and there, I don't know that there needs to be a grandiose house cleaning. I I like um, the fact that I really like the openness, honestly. Um, From from my schooling background, the best thing you can do is be completely open with everybody that's involved in the process. And the, the whole period review thing was great. Like, let's all throw out some ideas because, you know, the 10 or 15 cc members can easily come up with their own ideas but what about the 500 plus other players i mean let's throw their all ideas in there granted you're going to have to eventually get to a point where we're going to make decisions on those things but brainstorming you can never have too many ideas um i understand you know that not everybody's going to agree with me no and not everybody's going to agree with you but the point of the of the of this discussion is to make sure everyone's voice can be heard or at least the ideas
1: can be drawn out there. Uh, absolutely, and you know, I would like to uh, we we want to expand our openness even more, but the, there's a fine line to walk there because while it's true that many hands may make light work, light work, there's another saying that I learned when I was in college in the computer science program which, if you extrapolate it, is uh, adding more people to a late project only makes that later. So, and it, it goes along with too many cooks in the kitchen where if if we're so open that everything that we want to do has go, to go through, you know, referendums and votes and debates, you know, we'll be, it'll take two years to plan regional season, You know, and we. Th- there's a line at, at which we have to just act in an executive manner, but I, I think that we can play with where that line is in terms of being a, a representative democracy versus a, a republic, and and open that up more.
0: But, I totally lost my train of thought. Anyway. I well, would definitely agree <laughs> with you. I, I think you're, you're right there. In fact, there's a banking expression which is the same cliche, analysis by paralysis. I mean, you can look at the numbers 17 different ways, but it doesn't matter. The end result's going to be the same. You've got to get to a decision, and I think what the I think you guys have really done it right. You're we're we're past world. We've had a couple of months where we can kind of unwind, and we're in the off season, as everyone loves to call it. Um, and you're not you're not rushing a decision because you don't have to. I mean, obviously, in February. I think you're not going to be able to ask everybody where do you want your regional location to be. You know, pick one of your 17 cities that we could pick from. You're just going to say you you guys get one, you guys get one, you guys get one. However it right. Shakes out. Yeah, I totally get that. Uh, I think I think there is, there does need to be some type of line in the sand where you just say, okay, we made a decision, you know, accept it or don't accept
1: it. Right, and and I, I think one of the most important things that we have done over the past three years is being is our willingness to admit that we messed up and change course if necessary. I mean, there there's a lot of organizations out there that. Uh, don't do that. You know, they they make a decision and it proves to be a bad decision, and they won't admit that it was a bad decision, or they well, well, let's just keep trying it. You know, mm-hmm. when okay. you you know, you don't want to give up right. You know, just because you hit a bump in the road doesn't mean you give up. But when you get to a point where it's more work just to do what you're doing versus you know, all right, well, we messed up. Let's take a look at it and fix it. Uh, you have to be willing to make that call, and I'm not so egotistical as to not do that. If I if I mess up. I'm, I'll fess up to it, and we'll try something different. And then if I ever mess up bad enough, then people obviously have a chance to, to say so and replace me or, or replace one of our judges or, or whomever. So I think
0: Anna, dude, that's the trademark of good leadership. You're able to say, I made the decision, this was my decision, it proved to be the wrong decision, but given the information I had on hand, I felt that it was, and now we had to fix it and move forward. That's here, you know. Uh, what am I trying to say? That perfect example of what you would expect out of out of a leader, especially someone in a volunteer position. Thank you.
1: Now you mentioned it a couple times. Tell us about this charity draft you have coming up and what it's for, and how people can get involved. Uh, the
0: Cherry Draft was something, as I mentioned, that kind of brought me back. So it's near and dear to my heart. Um, Caleb still is the "quote unquote" official TD. He, he uh, buys all the products. He lines up donations. Uh, these last few years, I've um, <laughs> I've been in. in uh,
2: what am I trying to say? I've been enlisted as the mouthpiece
0: for the tournament and as the TD for the CC site. So, uh, what it is, is essentially 20 of us Minnesotans, frozen, chosen, as I love to call it, uh, the South Dakota guys,
2: whoever we can get out, and some, some of these players will actually only play in this tournament
0: in the entire year. I don't know if you know it's
2: from the last few years, but they're literally guys who only play in this. They're some of Caleb's friends, some of his family members. Um, we all get together on
0: uh, New Year's Day, and usually it's about five below zero or worse, you know, bundle up stumble into a card store, uh knowing everyone's got it off because it's New Year's Day, and uh throw down twenty bucks to buy a starter deck and usually about four or five packs. And uh the drafting of, of this steel deck is basically whoever you get, you can report to your HQ. So if I have uh, for example, a board starter deck and I want to draft uh Julian Mashir. Sweet. now i got julian machere and his three mad running around in my board. it's all kinds of craziness so i mean the the limitations especially for borg are kind of taken away because you can throw honor and treachery guys into your deck um and the way the way it works is we all we all form our pads we're randomly assigned a starter deck but if you don't like the one you get you can always buy your way out of that everything everything in the tournament is geared around throwing as much money at the charity as we can uh, the charity uh in particular in this case is feed my Serving children they are a non-profit organization that uh, feeds starving children around the world it's a charity that's near and dear to caleb's heart and um from what i understand it's like 13 cents equals a meal i mean it's ridiculously low cost for for meals so you know two to three bucks here and there it's going to add up in a hurry so um Back to the tournament. So, alright. I, I, I've bought my way into my starter deck I want to play. I drafted my cards. I built my deck. First round. We I want to play. You know, you look around the room and you go, well, let's see. I can play Mike Harrington, I can play Matt Freed, I can play
2: Caleb Grace. I play any of them. That's part of the challenge that I, I set up last
0: year. It's called to be the man, you gotta beat the man. And what that is, is if you Bid, auction style, bid, to play one of the world champions that we've got here, and you beat them, you're given a ton of prizes, whether it's oils, or now lately it's been uncut sheets that, uh, Jeremy Benedict provides, because he, uh, he's actually a print shop guy, so it's an extremely high quality set. Um and again, it's auction style, and we've, we've had several times in the first round where the first game against Caleb goes for 7,500 bucks, just right off the top. Um uh, other, other players, obviously you can bid on anybody too. It's not just the world champion. So, so if I walk in there and I know I want to play Steve Nelson, who I, I've been playing for 15 years, I love playing against Steve because it's always a challenge. I'll say, you know what, Steve, I'm going to play you. I'll pay, you know, a dollar, whatever the token dollar amount is to play, play them. And, uh, whatever happens in that match, the second round, same story. You know, somebody else who didn't play Caleb, who didn't play Matt, who didn't play Mike, did. He wants to play him. Away you go. Likewise, uh, in fact, I, I I kind of feel bad about this in retrospect. But last year, I played Steve in the first round. Now bear in mind, Steve has playing
2: with us all for a long, long time. The second round, I paired him up with Acita,
0: the other another member of the Big Buy. Acita uh, then paid it forward in the third round and played made Steve play Mike. <laughs> and then Mike made him play Matt. So poor Steve had to play all four of us last because we were all paying it forward to make each other plans. Um and it was just good times like crazy like that. We tried last year to keep it pretty straightforward. You know, last the last round two people were undefeated. We made sure they had played each other, but I think this year it's just gonna be who cares. I mean the tournament winner is so irrelevant when it comes to the end day. All you're trying to do is raise as much money as possible. Yeah. For this, Like I said, the fifth annual, and last year we raised a thousand dollars, a little over a thousand dollars, which was a huge amount. Um, Between the the um, four years we've been doing it, it seems like the snowball keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. uh, And especially with giving, last year was the biggest amount we've seen given, and we're hoping to even top that this year. I think our goal for this year is about fifteen hundred bucks. We can come together and pull it all in. So it's a it's a great time. I mean, you can't have any problems have any problem playing in such a silly format where you're just pairing people up whenever you want to and auctioning off games against world champions. Just It's a riot. Sounds like a lot of fun and uh, for a great cause, too. It is. I mean, um, a lot of us are pretty mindful of our um, charities that we all donate. In fact, I sit on a board um, for a non-profit here that's kind of through a, a guy I know through church. and. I know several of the other people, uh, Dave and Val and Zach, they're all involved in charities, so this is just one more thing that we can do, and all we got to do is get together and play. I mean, we're going to do that anyway. Not a not anything out of the realm of normal activity.
1: Oh, I did want to tell you, and I'll, I'll go ahead and announce this just in case anybody's sitting on the fence at home, but we we have a care package that we're putting together for your charity draft that you should be getting in the mail soon, so...
0: Me personally, or
1: who's it coming to? Uh, I think it's coming to you. Uh, I'll confirm it with our shipping guy, but we're sending you some... uh, Since your tournament is in 2011, you're going to be the uh, first tournament to have the new tournament foils. Oh, wow. Series 6? Series 6, which includes the uh, Romulan, Kirk, Secret Identity, AI, and some other... I'm sure... I don't know exactly when this podcasts going up, but uh, there'll be a couple more spoiled between now and then, so I think that they're, uh, I think the cards are excellent this time, they look great, and they're cards that people are, I think, are really going to be excited to have, so, and we also got some other good Cypher foils in there for you, so that's, I would love to be able to do more, and I would love to come up and play and and donate money, you know, it's not feasible for me this year, but we're going to send you guys that stuff for for a good cause, so go and bid on the prizes and...
0: That's, uh, that's for sure what we'll do. Uh, it sounds like, um, after the tournament we're running what's going to be called the Anything But Silent Auction, and we'll be loud ro- loud and rowdy and crazy trying to get those
2: first foils, I'm sure. Better bring your checkbooks, boys and girls. Jeez.
1: Yeah, there's some, uh,
0: some cool ones in there, too, definitely. So. Well, and I, I really appreciate it. I mean, I'm sure that would mean the world to Caleb, too. That's a, that's a real, uh, gentlemanly thing of you to do, and obviously, I, I haven't had a chance to thank you over the, over the phone or email yet for the prizes you guys sent me for Premier Series. That went up. Those, those went over like crazy. Yeah, we, we do our best. You know,
1: we're trying to. The, the Premier Series idea is actually something, and I know you and I have had a couple conversations about this, but that's something that we're looking to expand in 2011 uh, to more areas, you know there was there's some controversy about nationals and i i yep. get i get the points that that some of the guys out on the west coast are making i i want everybody to know that you know, we're not trying to exclude anybody from having a big event in fact just the opposite um you know somebody's going to be annoyed at everything we do our goal is just to try to make it so that everybody has fun and i think that the the premier series is a nice way to put some bigger tournaments in places that can't
0: get other big tournaments. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was an idea I had had. I know that in back in the Decipher Say, some, some people may not know that, but there are a lot of attempts at making something called Premier Series that never seemed to get over as well as you would have liked. I, I think it was kind of a copying of, um, Magic. I think Magic does Premier Series tournaments from what I understand. But, uh, you know, I, I came up with that idea. I ran it by Freed. I said, I'd really like to run a tournament the way that we remember. World where it was, you know, top eight breaks down, and then you jump into a four-round slog with no match play, and you know, it was just straight swift, and, and doing it that way, I could get, have a side tournament where everyone was on the same clock, and, you know, everyone just got to play, so really no one was excluded. Um, obviously, I, I threw together as many prizes as I could come up with, lots of silly ones, like my infamous Trek soap went out, uh, a bunch of books, I gave away my mech left, Um and obviously, you guys kicked in surprises too, so that went off really well. And, and I, I honestly mean it. I would love to see someone take that idea and run with it. It's a real generic title. You know, Premier Series Minnesota could just as easily be Premier Series California or Premier Series, you know, UK, Premier Series Germany. It doesn't matter. Just attach wherever you are geographically to you know, that title and the way you go. Yep. So,
1: you had given me a request for a random card review and it's kind I of did. it's kind of not a random card review if you do it's a request. Not right if I tell you. No, don't don't blame me for this. This was free. He specifically said with one he I wanted to hear the story of. Alright, well the card that was requested is Maximum Firepower. Now this is a tactic from Blaze of Glory and it's linked in the show notes. But I understand that you have a story about this card, so Oh, this is! I have lots of stories about this card. This this card might as well be autographed by Mike Harrington, Dan
0: Bell, and myself because we've played that card in every Battle Bridge we've used. Um, I don't know. If, uh, a lot of the one players from back in the day might recall um the infamous four card Battle Bridge where you play with Max, two copies of Maximum Firepower, and two copies of Crimson Force Field, and you use one of those
2: future ships so that you would always flip three and bang, they're
0: toast. Um, I took that one step further. Uh, the last World Championships in 2002, uh, for first edition that, that we attended, Knackert came up with an idea sitting in an old Chicago here in town. And he said, what about board and battle? And I said, what about board and battle? How are you going to do that? And he said, well, you get the Queen's Borg which can use maximum firepower. You got Galron, who will let you fire on anybody. You got the multi-flexor to hit as many things as you want. Then you got the Bajoran cocktail party, which is uh, was what it was dubbed, the Bajoran resistance. though, I think it was that card called where You could turn one yeah. of your drones into you know, resistance for a skill, and then you could interlink them. And now all the Borg are running around with Bajoran resistance and doing crazy things. My memory's a little hazy on how those cards interact a so long time ago, but uh, the bottom line is um, World 2002 uh, day one, I was playing Steve Rolf, I think. Uh, he may not be the right person, but I was playing a fellow Borg opponent, and uh, I had taken the Battle Bridge one step further and made it eight cards. So it had two Maxes and six Crimson Forest Fields. And the reason being, um, with the Borg Queen on her Sphere, you could download the Max with Make It Fell. If I Recall correctly. Yes, that's true. Uh, so I could auto download it, and now I have seven cards left my battle bridge. Um, the way it all worked, uh, long story short, Sea Rolt and I are kind of dancing a little bit in this game. I, uh, I get my staffed Queen Horde Cube over to his you know, unit where he has the the Unicomplex obviously seventy two weapon or shield, seventy two shields on that thing. It's huge. You has got the Queen's uh I think he had Lecutus' board cube over there. I knew it wasn't the same ship I had. And he had a separate spear. All um the two ships are on Because I mean what are, what are you gonna do? You're board, we're not gonna do anything mean, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh and my shields are huge, so I'm I'm cool, right? No. Uh I use Tenten for um prefix codes, and this is, bear in mind, I had already got Galra on the fork on the ship, and, you know, my opponent's like, what are you doing? I go over to his unit complex, and I say I'm going to initiate a battle. I special downloaded my maximum firepower. I played my cues, I played my prefix codes, firing on his unit complex. I have shown my, my multiplexer drone. Uh, I jack up the weapons to with uh we've power i think was the card i used to, to get the weapons up as a weapons uh drone on my ship too long story short i miraculously am able to direct hit the unit complex with one shot with one ship wow and i uh do my three flips bang that one's gone Show my multiplexer do the three flips on his cube bang that one's gone do the three flips on his sphere bang that one's gone you know all three just both. And he's befuddled staring at me, he goes, there's no way that was legal. <laughs> I had to call over my favorite TD, Kim Logie, who I had prepped before the tournament. I go, Kim, you're going to do something ridiculous today. I don't know if it's going to be for me or what, but I know you're going to do something ridiculous. Because then they were both playing the same deck. Um, she made me unwind the entire sequence of events. so And then do the whole thing over again. So not only really I do this once in the sport. Fellow. I did it twice cause I had to show the TD that it was perfectly legal. you know, text all the cards and she basically just walked away and was like, "Yep, sorry, that's how it goes. And, uh, needless to say, that game kind of went over, like, uh, my, my calling card for first edition. If There's such a thing as the most memorable moment for my entire 1E career is that. I don't know that anyone can match the circumstances the tournament that it's that. I mean it wasn't like in a casual home game. I did it at world. You know, and basically knocked the poor guy out of world because I did all that with one shot.
1: That is that is impressive. That is that's one E though too. You know that crazy Borg you're gonna download prefix codes and <laughs> Yeah. That's that's one E all the way, I'll tell you. So. That is why I love my maximum firepower. Well, it's a great, it's a great tactic uh, if you can get a hold of it. I, unfortunately, it's kind of hard to get a hold of these days. But you know, six the plus six to attack in and of itself is good, even if you don't have a future ship. And mm-hmm. uh, three draws is is really good if you do run the future Enterprise, which coincidentally is one of the new one e promos coming in two thousand eleven in series B. So and awesome alternate image of the future enterprise that's pretty
0: sweet if if it hasn't been
1: spoiled already it's it's it'll be spoiled soon so spoiled on this if nothing else yeah but the image is i can't describe it it's it's a just a beautiful shot it'll look great on the foil paper and i can't wait to see people use it so so just in the spirit of doing a random card review
0: so now that we got our, our fake random one out of the way, right?
1: Yes, now that we have a fake random one, I have randomly selected... I have a stack of about ten cards here. And I randomly picked one of them, and interestingly enough, it's one of them that has recently been eroded. And it's Captain on the Bridge. So... Oh. Captain on the Bridge says... Basically it lets you play your captains on your ships at cost minus one. It used to be non-unique, meaning it was cumulative. Now it's unique. So... What did you think of this card, and what do you think of the change to make it a unique event?
0: I've always thought Captain on the Bridge was a good card. I know uh, shortly after I came back there's some talk about the infamous um, Captain's deck, where you played you know, 4, 5, 6, seven. Captains of the Defiant, and now they're immune to random selections, or however that works. Captain's Log is the card Captain that does that. Lo- so. Okay. Um, Captain on the Bridge, I loved that they could play them um, for two to the ship. I think that's a cool ability. I like the little discount you get. I know uh, initially I was a little worried about that because I'm like, well, you get three copies of this in play. All these Defiant Captains are going to be pretty cheap. You know, just playing right to the ship. And uh, obviously that deck didn't seem to fly as well as everyone thought it was going to, but uh, in general, with Original Thinker Kirk, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, you just, oh, I, I got by a dilemma for, you know, playing five counters worth of personnel, and now I'm gonna just play them for a two or play them for a three to my ship right where I was. That, you know, seems a bit uh, overpowered. I, 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 like the errata. I think it's a perfect, um, precautionary errata. I mean, I, I can't speak to what's coming out or not coming out, but if we make more Defiant captains or more captains of the original enterprise, like you made William Decker, uh, not too long ago, I think, um, I think it's a great, Uh, card now. It's more balanced, and you shouldn't need to have any other changes.
1: Well, the errata to Captain on the Bridge reminds me of the errata to Party Atmosphere four or five years ago. Which made it unique. Because it, essentially, a card like pre-erata Party Atmosphere, or pre-erata Captain on the Bridge, essentially says every event or every commander that the design team wants to make from that point on you have to cost it more than it actually costs, yep. because you always are going to assume that it's going to be a play it for at least minus two or minus one. So you end up having to make, you know, six cost captains or five cost events that would normally cost two or three, and it ends up really limiting what you can do. So for for that reason alone, for opening up design space alone, I think they're good changes. So.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think that was a uh... Really good, um, errata, um Just like I said, precautionary. It, it doesn't need to be an amazing card. It's still going to see use because of what it can do already. You don't need to be able to have three of it in play. I mean, that's kind of overkill. Yeah. And, and if we know anything about the players of this great game, it's that they find a loophole anywhere, they'll exploit the crap out of it. I mean, Michael Van Bremen, case in point. That that guy comes up with so much stuff that's off the
1: wall is genius. I was actually talking to him at, at Gen Con and uh, commented that the, the mission transport crash survivors was was made pretty much to deal with you know that kind of stuff. And uh, we, I, it occurred to me when I was talking to him, it like we should have come up with a, a story for that mission so that it could have been you know MVB as the abbreviation instead of TCS. So I, I thought that would have been a nice little in joke, but we didn't think of it in time, and oh well. He was he was flattered that he broke the game and got a got a card made. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, and and I think you have a lot of players like that. Who uh, I, I know there's a hot button issue right now, legacy. I, I think the idea of legacy was I want to get some people to play with more skill dilemmas, and this dilemma should you know help them that way. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people who are just throwing a bunch of. Oddball skill dilemmas, not really caring what they are, and what they do, just to abuse legacy. And you know, I, I kind of look at that, and I'm in my mind that I can picture what the design team wanted that card to be, and then I see how it's used, and I'm like, that is not at all what they pictured was going to happen. But you know, it is what it is. It's a card that I think is uh, going to see some use. I don't know if an arena is coming. Maybe it is, and there's a lot of talk about that. Uh, but it's a really interesting card. Well,
1: if it were up to you, would you errata it, and what would you do to it?
0: Um, I don't know. See, I, I haven't had my chance to play this card, which is, I don't know if I'm just low to the party or what the case is. Because if I were going to play a Legacy Final File, I would probably play it how it was intended. Um, being a fairly good skill tracker, I would use Legacy as my backup and use the 5, 6, 7 bouncing walls that I could come up with
2: as the way that I'm going to stop you. And if I don't get them, you know, I try to build myself up with legacy. Because legacy
0: can whip. I mean, that's the one thing that I've brought up several times. You can totally airball it. Even if you draw one of the legacies with that legacy, you give them the one, you know you only have one in your pile, you can still hit it. And they can get a luck sack of Rogue work Ambush and on the floor, and, you know, some type of other extra-skilled one on issue of trust. And now they're by it, you just look an idiot. Uh, if I were um, to errata legacy, I think your best bet is to make the um, requirement of flipping the dilemma's bold. Uh, Matt Fried has been running crazy with a cadet deck around here at Regional t 1. He won Game 1 Premier Series with it. And he's using a fractured time, curve because it's not a dark shot. You know, you can see what it is, you can figure out if you find a way to get by it, and then you can try to get by it he doesn't work against Legacy and you know, the first complaint uh, he, I got from him when we saw that card was crap you know and I, I don't want to use OT cards because I don't have to pay the size coverage every time I'd really like him to work on that dilemma and it's weird that it has no requirements because there are several from what I understand there are at least two or three other cards that say if you're facing something you can't get by it you can't meet the requirements however the wording is
1: yeah. Um,
0: but but honestly I I strongly believe that there are Ton of counters for, for Legacy. Obviously there's counters to those counters, muscle, distraction, grab, crap, stuff like that, but you get Bridge your stuff, you've got uh, Nothing Happened, you've got Krim, who, if they're playing Legacy Pile, they can't do anything about crim because they're not going to have the secret identities and they're likely going to get rid of Krim, or they leave Krim with their HQ when they use them that way. And, and with Krim, you're bringing out an affiliation, not being allowed to play Bajoran. Um, you've got Inversion mystery. I mean, hi, I'm Voyager. That's enough of that. You know, you just there seems like there are a lot of ways to shoot holes in that pile. And again, with the card being able to whip in and of itself, I personally don't see a problem with it. But again, based on my limited experience here, um, limited based on what I've seen with other other top players, I don't see them running it. I've talked to our top players at several tournaments. Some of the IO guys, some of the self toy guys, and the guys. No one thinks. It seems to think that it's the all end all pile because, you know, they're they are they are not as I don't want to say risk averse, but they would much rather give you two or three dilemmas have one stick, the other two bounce in your stop, than give you legacy have it with you solved. So Yeah. Well alright, Chris, are there any
1: particular things you wanted to ask me since we are sitting here?
2: I'm really
0: curious, um I know the period of review review was up. Um has everybody passed the flying colors? I mean, obviously you can't get into specifics, but wondering what kind of feedback you got on that. I know that your personal review, uh, you got a lot of positive feedback, and I think well deserved. Um, I'm just curious how everything because there's so many other people involved. I'm wondering
1: if there's well um, until you know until a certain the way it works is that all the votes of no confidence are cast privately, and there's a there's a, a specific number that has to be hit that's based on the percentage of active tournament players for the particular community. and uh, I'm being vague, and I'm sorry to be vague, but it's by design. Um, I don't find out if anybody voted for me unless it hits that number. So, as far as I know, uh, N-1 people could have voted for me to be replaced, and I really wouldn't know. I mean, I could probably get Keller to tell me, but I wouldn't really want to put him in that position. So
0: we don't really want to know, anyway. you don't want any hurt feelings. Yeah. I
1: and, well, I would him. never. I would never. He would never tell me who. But he, I know that when when the review is over and it doesn't call, it doesn't come to a call. Uh, like Keller sends them a message saying, you know, even though he wasn't replaced, we want to know your feedback. So contact me or contact him directly. And I've talked to a couple people. Uh, the biggest complaint that I got was. You're doing too much, uh, which, you I know.
0: Think I think a lot of people who complain about that, I feel bad for you. I mean, you're trying to find a new job. you got you to have time to, to do the job search.
1: Well, I, I always make sure I have time to do the job search, and, and I am putting some things into place to delegate more, because we have so many talented people on the committee and, and in the community that I don't need to do everything that I'm doing. I just, I have this uh, attitude where I always want to, not inconvenience anybody else so I always take things on because you know James has a full-time job and and this mm-hmm. and that and you know it turns out he really would like to do more or is willing to do more and I just keep not giving him stuff because I don't want to inconvenience him so that's a failing of my own but
0: basically really the, the opposite I, I'm just a control freak I'm always like well I could let somebody else do it but it might not be done how I want it to be done I'll do it myself well there are places
1: where I have that attitude too and I a lot of the first edition stuff I've, I've been more hands on than I would like to be ultimately. But first edition has had some trouble, you know, had a couple rocky years and now that things are getting a little more smoothed out, I can start transitioning out of doing some of that stuff because there are people in place that I trust to do these things. So the the biggest thing with the period of review, other than, you know, the judge reviews and my own review is it's really more, tell us what's going on, you know, And, and I've had, some good constructive criticism on a couple people, and I have been uh, communicating with the people. You know, a couple people have said, "I don't well, what's up with this guy?" or "What's so and so doing?" I don't ever see him do anything, and I've, I've shared that with people. I, I would like to expand the whole review concept more next year. It's just finding the time to sit down and really figure out how to expand it so that it doesn't become a popularity contest, which you don't want it to be or more trouble than it's worth. But uh, we got some great suggestions. I mean, the, the the organized play review that that ran through November, and I know by the time this episode goes up, the the poll for that will be running. Uh, was extremely helpful, and we got some great ideas out of that. And the poll will give us even more a really good sense of where the community is on these issues. And help us figure out what to do. So hopefully we can put something into place and and give it a try and see how it goes. But yeah, we're always looking for feedback. Anybody should feel welcome to contact any member of the continuing committee or me. If you don't feel comfortable talking to that person, Uh, if you have a marketing idea, you can go to Neil. If you have an organized play idea, you can go to uh, James or Dave or Matthias or Thomas you can mm-hmm. go to me or Brad or, or whomever you want to talk to. We're always willing to listen and hear what you have to say. So.
0: Alright, I've got one more question for you and I don't want to put you on the spot, but, uh, uh, Neil seems like he's a little bit, uh, jealous that we haven't had the numbers for world that we, um, that we had, uh, over, overseas here at home. And from what I understand, looking at the regional layout, Germany and the UK, both, those two player bases have roughly combined 60-70 players and got a 54-player turnout at Worlds. What's your plan to try to top that number, and um,
1: how can I help? Come to Gen Con in 2011 and bring all your crew with you, because we have some amazing stuff planned for Gen Con 2011, and if it works... It'll be something we can do regularly. It'll be something that we can put into place in other areas. I'm really not trying to be... I don't intend to be vague here, but I don't want to... I'm going to knock on wood. But I don't want to jinx any of these deals that we're working on. We have spent the last three years building up good faith credit and a good reputation with the Gen Con staff, which is affording us some opportunities this year that we haven't had in the past. Uh, We're looking at doing... An amazing five-day experience for Trek players from Wednesday through Sunday and and carrying over into Monday for some of the longer-distance travelers, but uh, we're looking at a group rate block of rooms for really cheap, really close. We're looking at doing uh, different kinds of tournaments, different scope of tournaments. We're planning a big uh, party, so to speak, for one of the nights at Gen Con, but... If you've never come to Gen Con or if it's been years since you've come to Gen Con, this is the year. 2011 is the year to come because this is as good. I mean, this is either going to be the most amazing Gen Con we've ever put together or the most spectacularly uh, failing Gen Con we've ever put together. All or nothing, right? Pretty much. You know, we're all in on this one. We've got some great stuff planned. We've got some stuff we haven't even thought about putting into play yet. Uh, You know, we have to wait for the Gen Con procedure to start a little bit which believe it or not is soon in january i have to start submitting the schedule but uh we we want to just make gen con 2011 the biggest trek event ever you know i would lo- i don't feel a competition with them i mean i'm very proud they pulled 54 people and that's awesome i i i would love to see that many or more just because i want to see people come in playing and trek and having fun but i'm not I don't want to do it to beat the Europeans or anything. I just
0: want to do it. If
2: it's a friendly rivalry,
1: obviously. Yeah, well, in a little bit. I won't, I might jab them in the ribs and be like, "Ha ha ha! I got 70, But you know, beat that. But then, then they can beat me, and, and the next time they run it, and then they'll just throw down the gauntlet again. So, for sure, start making mm-hmm. your plans to come to Gen Con. Bring all your friends. That's the best thing that you and everybody else can do to uh, make it a big success in 2011. Sounds good to me. All right, Chris. Thank you for taking an hour out of your day to talk with me, and we will see you around the Internet.
0: Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, anybody who's got any questions or any other concerns, feel free to post one on the board. I'm sure I'll surf in, be surfing from uh, work and not working and answer anything. Anybody has got any questions for me, or shoot me a PM if you want to do that way.
1: So. Right, and people should contact you if they have questions or... Want to make donations about your draft and uh, Feed My Starving Children?
0: Yep, uh, if there at all need details, I I believe that they're all in the article, but if you need something as simple as, hey, I can make it up there, but I don't know where to stay, you know, I can tell you where the hotel's going to be, or I can open up my house, depending on how many of you guys are going to be here. The venue is like a mile from my house, not even. Um, Or even, you know, even outside of Feed My Starving Children, if anybody's got any questions, feel free to
1: shoot me an email. All right, Chris, thanks a lot.
2: Say it's snowing in Minnesota once again Have you found what you're looking for? Have you found love? Or have you found happiness from up above? The tears me yeah, still pretend
1: would you like to be a guest on an upcoming episode of An Hour with the Continuing Committee? If so, visit our website at www.trekcc.org forums and send a private message to Midnight Lich. That's M-I-D-N-I-G-H-T capital L-I-C-H.